Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. With the third pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the New York Knicks select R.J. Barrett. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Prez. I know it's been a long time since you've heard from me, the Strickland's Draft Guy, a.k.a. New York Knicks Cannon for all the suns I got. It's a special time of year. The leaves are falling off the trees. The smell of pine trees is in the air. I got Coquito in the fridge. The Knicks season is already weird. Knicks fans are already frustrated. Nobody knows when we're going to pick, but I'm actually not here today to talk about the Knicks much, maybe only a little bit. We're here to bring you the return of Draft Strickland for the 2023 class, the Strickland's official NBA Draft podcast, and we're here to learn a little bit more about the crop of incoming youngsters who are going to make their debut in college, and some of them have already been playing in overseas leagues and other leagues like OTE, so there's already a lot of action going on. And to help us navigate all of that, we have a very special guest. You may know him from YouTube. You may know him from Twitter. You may know him as one of the OG internet draft guys. You may know him from another country, from his travels as a scout. It's Rafael Barlow from NBA Big Board. How you doing? I'm doing good. That was a crazy introduction. <laughs> we got we got to um, bring the energy. Yeah, I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for joining us. Before we get started, I do have to make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has an Instagram. You should give that a follow. Check that out. We're posting a lot of new content and stuff on there. Uh, and we have plans to uh, to use that to do fun things. So check it out. That is at the strict.land on Instagram. We also have a YouTube page. Uh, if you can subscribe to that, help us get to 1,000. That would be a massive help. Uh, that is the Strickland on youtube so check that out you can watch this video and other videos uh other podcasts and other breakdowns uh that we do on there you also must at some point know that the strickland has a patreon you can subscribe to that there are a number of tiers there's a six dollar tier that gets you access to this pod that i host on fridays with prez pod strickland uh you also get access to the strickland discord where the conversation never stops and you also get access to the mailbag that comes out every other week that is hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, the Doug Bag. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to wonderful weekly articles written by Jack Cuntley and Matthew Miranda, two of the best in the business. You also get access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits, like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So before we get into draft stuff, I know you're in Dallas and uh, mm-hmm. 
have been known to appear at the Mavs games from time to time. Did you get a chance to go for Knicks Mavs? No, I didn't. <laughs> I missed Man. it. I actually thought the game was in New York. Man, it's that was that was a wild one. The Knicks uh I shouldn't even say it was a wild one because that's what they do now. They had a big lead and then the big lead disappeared and yeah, the game ended and you looked at the box score and Dallas had taken sixty three pointers. <laughs> Yeah, that game was in New York. I, it, I don't think it was in It Dallas. was? I'm, I'm I'm tripping then. No wonder. Yeah, I'm almost certain. Oh, you're York. right. You're right. Okay. Well, yeah. it's probably better for better for you that you didn't waste your time with that game anyway. Because <laughs> uh, it looks like we're getting another repeat of that today. The Knicks were up uh, 16 versus Cleveland. And it's almost tied at the half. And the Knicks are the worst third quarter team in the league. So kind of know where that one's going. Um. But anyway, enough of that. So, you know, last year, the Knicks had a pretty decent pick, and they traded it for a number of reasons. Um, they have a lot of guys on the team. They wanted to get some some more future picks for a star deal. You know, maybe it was for Donnie Mitchell. Maybe it's for someone else in the future. Who knows exactly why? But this year, it's a little different. They have their own pick. Dallas's pick as long as Dallas doesn't pick in the top 10 and then if the Wizards keep this up they might have the Wizards pick uh if they make it past the play and so I would hope they keep at least one of them but in any event there's definitely going to be a lot of attention paid to uh this special class um not just because of how many picks the Knicks have but because it's a special class so I guess my first question for you Raphael is like how how do you feel like off rip off of a couple of weeks of hoops in college and overseas? How does this class stack up to recent classes to you? Because we've heard a lot of hype about like Wemby and Scoot, but not so much about the other guys. Yeah, I man, it's top heavy. It's uh, you know, the the hype is because Wembyama's <laughs> considered a generational talent, and so I think if you just took him off of this class, would people be so? adamant about this class being like so so special um the freshman class has been up and down i mean outside of maybe brandon miller and a couple games here and there from other guys you can't say that this freshman class has really um just been crazy impressive across the board but i I do think it is a a good class but it's still really early but a lot of it i think is just heavy at the top it's a good exercise to take someone like Wemby off and reconsider the class. I've never really thought of it that way. And, you know, if you ha- take him out and the top is presumably like Scoot Henderson, the Thompson twins, and maybe a couple of other guys, do you think those guys are at least at the very top, like Scoot and Amen and the and his brother, how do they stack up to guys like... um? You know, last year we saw Paolo and Jabari and and Ivy and these guys go at the top because that's like the main question I've been hearing from Knicks fans just because uh, the Knicks, you know, they were never in contention for the top pick last year. But they tr- they did. Tr- we know they did try to trade up to four or five to get Jaden Ivy and they weren't available. So we know that at least the front office is interested in a player of that level. So I'm trying to figure out which guys kind of, you know, 
below Wemby fall into that level? I don't know. I mean, it's such a weird class because, all right, you you look at Scoot. He's playing in the G League, which people may think is a you know better league than college basketball, but it's not a league that is as accessible. It gets the same fanfare and buzz as college basketball. Then you got the Thompson Twins who are playing in overtime. Overtime is not as easy to just turn on your TV mm-hmm. and watch it on, you know, like a big Monday on ESPN. And then you have Nick Smith and Cam Whitmore, who just really started playing last week. And uh, or Cam Whitmore just made his debut this weekend. Nick played his second game, which his first game he only played five minutes. So it's still, I mean, it's still a lot of uncertainty because I can say probably the average NBA draft <laughs> fan has probably hasn't seen any of the guys that many people think are the top five pick. Or if you've probably seen a little bit of it, if you consider like, well, the, the Wimbayama Scoot game was in, I mean, that was mm-hmm. what, early early October. And that was kind of like an exhibition game. And only and Scoot mm-hmm. only played one of those games, really. For the, I mean, got, he got hurt early in the second quarter. So it's it's tough because, you know, coming into the season, one of the things, at least for me as a guy who kind of makes his living off of draft content, the hype is what kind of makes, like, mm. my content good in a sense. And so, <laughs> um, like, the Zion year, everybody was interested was in crazy. the draft because of Zion. And not only was he considered, like, the best player, but he was on TV all the time. And so he was so accessible to watch. And then even though Wimbayama has like a, a, a similar buzz, you still have to watch him on the NBA app. And then the mm-hmm. games are played like two o'clock, you know, in the <laughs> afternoon. And most people aren't able to watch it. So overall, I just think like it's really hard to predict like the hype of this class. And then even the, you know, a few of the top players are just kind of getting their, their, their footings in. And so, um, and then of course, like you see it every year in the draft, the mock drafts and, and the draft Twitter boards are a lot different than NBA yeah. teams boards. So this year is going to be really tough to predict. It's a good point about the accessibility. I think that's one reason, um, you know, the, the guy who, you know, to key in on the difference between like ESPN, for example, and what you see on Twitter, the guy who, ESPN and Yahoo have keyed in on early on is Brandon Miller because he's had a couple of bomb ass games on TV, right? Like he's and he's killing it. And other guys, even though they're awesome prospects, literally are just not playing or are playing in other time zones. Or you got to turn on Amazon or Peacock or whatever to watch OTE. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely. It's definitely a factor, and I wonder if it's just going to be like that the whole year because this is like players getting injured and starting their season late is not new, and, you know, the occasional foreign top five, top ten guy is not new, but, like, stuff like OTE and top, top, top players going in the G League, that's still really new, so I don't know if, like, we could be here five months from now and like most people still might not have seen them play and therefore they might not get that kind of coverage on ESPN. Or do you think eventually like ESPN and sports illustrated and these outlets, do you think they'll catch up? It just takes longer. 
I don't know, man. Um, <laughs> I'm just curious to see how it is down the road because I think mm. the whole NIL thing was a game changer. Mm. You know, like, so the incentive to go to play in Australia and, and the incentive to go play in the G League is totally different now because even though the, the G League is paying good money and the, the pitches, you can learn from NBA coaches and learn from the NBA system, yada, yada, yada. The average kid still wants to play college basketball, play mm-hmm. in the NCAA tournament, play in those crazy crowds, right? And so on top of the money, it's it's just going to be interesting to see long-term how, mm-hmm. how successful the G League is. I mean, it's been crazy successful so far. I mean, they've had lottery picks in the last two drafts, and, and this year will be the third. But uh, – yeah, with this NIL, it's it's a game changer. I mean, I, some of these numbers I'm hearing kids are making is crazy. Like I've, I've heard guys at good top twenty something schools making four hundred thousand. I've even had scouts tell me one particular program they don't think is going to be good because they're like their guys just made so much money in NIL. I don't even know how hungry they're going to be. <laughs> like oh, they're wow. in college. I mean, just with all this money, so. Um, going forward, I, I, I wonder, I, I do think overtime is here to stay. I think the G League is here to stay, but I just wonder like, you know, what is going to be the the level of player. And then if they do end up continuing to get like these really, really good kids, how are they going to continue to increase their exposure on their platform? I think overtime has, has done a good job in such a short amount of time with the deal with Amazon, but Amazon is still not as... You know, it's still not ESPN, I should right, say. Right, it ain't TV. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's going to be interesting, man. I don't think anybody really knows it at this point. Yeah, uncharted waters. Um, here, here's another thing, another question that might help some of the listeners. So you mentioned it before that, like, evaluating exactly what kind of basketball is in the G League compared to college. Like, obviously, the NCAA D1, it's a huge range of competition. If you take, you know, let's say like the top 25, I know the top 25 in college is going to change like as the season goes on and everything, but how would you say the G League, at least, you know, this year, last year, the G League and OTE stack up to like good top 25 type teams? Not necessarily like, final four favorites or something like that, but top 25. <sighs> That's a tough question because the guys, well, in the past years, the G League teams were a little bit older, right? So you had the veterans. Like this year, the team is young, but I think they lost like five games in a row. <laughs> and so um, I don't I don't really know how to, I don't know how to how to predict it, right? because I mean you could say like the year the first year they had two guys that were lottery picks right and then um I think last year they had one or two they had they had one yeah it's just it's just tough it's totally different style of play and you can it's just hard to even compare like Europe to G League G League to college and so on it's uh it's, it's just made the whole scouting thing a little bit 
It's just, everybody just has to adjust. I guess that's the best way I can think of it. Before, you knew every single prospect was playing in college basketball, give or take a guy that was playing in Europe. Now you have just so many different options. And you it's, it's going to be a lot of GMs that are going to hit and miss because – you know, it's just really hard to gauge the, the level of competition. And I think in the G League, it's in their best interest to highlight their young players. So even if they're not winning, the program needs the young players to be successful and get drafted high in order for it to continue. I did notice that. I mean, last year, like, you know, we saw or not uh... – yeah, the Jalen Green, John Kuminga year, like we definitely saw them take their lumps, and they were just they kept getting the minutes and they kept getting the touches, and obviously with Scoot this year, you know he's running the show as the point guard, and you saw them even like like one thing I noticed when I first watched them with the in, with the games versus Wembenyama's team is they got players who it seemed like are tailored to play with Scoot, like shooters and yep. some vets, and even the young guys who are there are like. Guys who don't need the ball a ton, like F.A., who can just use their athleticism and go to work or whatever. So they're definitely building around a teenager uh, for the second year in a row. And, um, yeah, that makes it a little bit tough. And then I was I was watching some of the Knicks G League team the other day, um, the Westchester Knicks, because the big Knicks had a break. So they sent Jericho Sims and Deuce McBride down there. And, you know, every time Deuce goes down there, he looks like, fucking michael jordan and it's mm-hmm. it was no different like jericho sims went like nine of ten like 20 and 10 whatever so like depending on like you might face the westchester knicks on a regular day without those guys that's different from facing them when jericho's there or when jalen's there so like how do you incorporate that so i definitely don't uh envy your task of having to basically speak a bunch of different scouting languages and be able to go back and forth between them in order to break it down for the rest of us um ote though is like the g league i it's probably because it's just been around longer so people kind of get a sense like you know you look you pull up a g league roster you'll hear some college guys who you might have heard of from like back in the day from march madness and you'll you know oh i remember him i remember daquan jeffries or whatever i remember trevor keels but Mm -hmm. ote is a whole different beast entirely because it's it's all young boys and like they're what is, it's what three teams four teams and then they play <sighs> some games versus like, yeah high schools and yeah it, it's weird but even then back back to your um, comment about the G League I had someone mention to me that Scoot Henderson's stats are the same as Saban Lee's. <laughs> Saban Lee is a G League god, man. His stats are crazy. But yeah, even true. though there's like a an age difference. Mm-hmm. And then you can even look at some guys that are in the G League. They're putting up much... Like Sh- Sharif. <laughs> yeah, bigger numbers in the G League than they put up in college. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, shoot, even like Wimbayama, even though he's kind of... He's played. He's kept it up, but before he went to Vegas, I hadn't seen him score like thirty. I think he had like a preseason game or a friendly where he had like thirty earlier this year. But I still don't think that he's topped his point total against the Ignite so far this year. He had thirty six and thirty seven against the Ignite. I mean, he's had some thirty point games, but you know, it's it's just so difficult 
because the pace of the G League is is fast. I mean, you got a lot of high scoring games. It's just difficult, man. It's just, it's just really, really, really difficult. And it was definitely much easier from a scouting perspective, like I said, when everybody was just playing college <laughs> basketball. Yeah, time time's definitely done changed a little bit in that respect. Um, so moving on from some of the non-college guys, um, the thing that jumps out to me about this draft is uh, uh, there's two things. There's it's Actually, no. There's three things. There's the top heavy part with Wemby and Scoot and Amen because all three of them seem like 2K players in some way or another. And then you have like this big group of really talented players who, if you ask different people, you might get different responses as to the order. But like, whereas in in last year's draft class, after the top three of Jabari, Paolo, and Chet, you know, you had folks who love Keegan and Ivy and Matherin. But that that kind of group, that second group was kind of small. And this year, that second group feels a lot larger, um, yeah. which is really interesting from a Knicks perspective because we're probably not going to get, like, even if all the worst things happen, we're not going to get a top three pick. So we're going to be somewhere in that second group. So I'm paying attention to those guys. And then the third thing is that, I don't know if it's coincidence or not, but it seems like there's a lot of really young players projected to go in the first, like 18-year-olds. And a lot of, like, everybody in the whole class seems like they're 6'8 or 6'9 with a few exceptions. Yeah. Uh, am I tripping or, like, have you noticed something like that? Nah, it's a lot of... I mean, this class is expected to be dominated by one and duns, And then you just have a bunch of guys that are positionless in a sense so every team wants these guys that can dribble (coughs) excuse me dribble score and play multiple positions and defend all over the floor I mean you look at the Raptors you look at the Thunder it seems like teams are trying to if you're not like if even Orlando I mean they got a bunch Mm -hmm. of positionless guys so um, yeah, you're just starting to see teams trying to cover a bunch of guys that can like, play multiple positions and be really versatile. Even later in the draft, like, you know, everybody points to the Grizzlies as one of the gold standard teams for drafting. And like Jake LaRavia for a role player is still somebody who can probably defend multiple positions. You know, he could shoot, shoot he could pass, <laughs> yeah. he could dribble. Uh-huh. So that that's definitely the trend and um you know we we got a couple of stretch bigs mixed in there with you know where and lively and i feel like the last couple of classes we've had some bigs who take threes but they're not really like credible credible stretch fives and with where and lively i wonder like maybe this is it maybe i mean obviously you have guys at the top last year like chat and this year like Wemby, but like where and lively do you think they're more uh i i feel like those are the two main center prospects after wemby do you think those guys are uh more positionless funky bigs or do you think that's just like they were in high school they were better than everybody and they were just like fuck it i'm gonna shoot some threes (laughs) yeah i don't i mean i think they've shown flashes been able to shoot 
Um, I mean, Lively hasn't made a three-pointer this year. <laughs> so, um, and maybe that's, I mean, I think people knew that he had the potential to do it. Maybe he just doesn't have the green light to do it at, at Duke so far. And he's kind of been disappointing. I mean, where is, I mean, he's been pretty decent, averaging 11 points a game. He's shooting 30% from three. But, you know, a lot of people that I've spoke to believe that the shooting indicators are there and they think that he'll be a, um, you know, at least a respectable floor spacer or whatever. So I, I think that he is or he has separated himself from Lively so far. I mean, I thought coming into the season, I thought Ware was better. But I think just so far, based off what we've seen, it's I mean, I don't think it's it's any way that Lively goes ahead of Ware. The NBA season is heating up, and there are still so many unknown outcomes possible. Can the Knicks win the Atlantic Division? Probably not, uh, but you could bet on it. When I'm looking to get in on the action, I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out right now. Everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the app now, sign up with code TBPN, place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because this class, the middle group of this class is so big. If if Lively ends up getting pushed down and down and down because every week new new players start to pop who might be in that second group. I mean, I know we're, you know, we're hearing of the the top guys who are injured come back, but you also hear of some other guys who are kind of making waves who beforehand nobody was talking about as potential lotto guys. I shouldn't say nobody, but like, I know Jet Howard has been on TV a couple of times and he's another wing who's kind of toolsy, plays for a big program. Um, uh, Trayvon Brazil. I'm not sure if that's how you say his yep. name, but like mm-hmm. I, I I didn't know much. About, I knew he played last year, but I didn't know much about him aside from that he could jump and he's putting up some eye-popping game stats and highlights and you got to... Yeah, it's... Mm-hmm. It's like a trend, right? So if you look at last year, at this time, the projected guys that people thought were going to be top 10 were mm-hmm. like Chet, um, Paolo, Ivy. Then you had names like Patrick Baldwin, Peyton right. Watson, right. Yannick Sosa, Jaden Hardy. Yeah, all right. of these names that you know end up being late first-round picks and – even then, you can say that was based off of their high school hype for Peyton Watson right. and Patrick Baldwin. And I, I guess I'm kind of on record of of trying to figure <laughs> out why Patrick Baldwin was still drafted. And even in the G League, he hasn't been good in the G League. But, you know, he got drafted based off of his, his high school hype. And really, if you want to just take a deeper dive, it was like his high school hype prior to COVID. So, mm-hmm. you know, just... His junior year in high school, 
propelled him to the NBA draft. And it wasn't like he had a great year at, at Milwaukee, or whatever. So, um, so yeah, so I, I think it's, it's kind of consistent for guys to kind of come up out of nowhere. I mean, last year at this time, I don't think anybody had Keegan Murray as the top five nope. pick. Um, <laughs> Jabari, I thought Jabari Smith was in that lottery range, but I didn't think he was going to be, you know, mm. one of the guys that people would be debating about to be the top pick all year long. Um, Dyson Daniels wasn't supposed to be the guy on the Ignite. So it's, I mean, it's just kind of consistent and just shows that um, <laughs> we don't really know what we're talking about <laughs> in October. Yeah. <laughs> just let the all games right. play out. All right. With that being said, well, first of all, let me plug. Uh, I I think you. I know you've written about it. I I think you may have done a YouTube about it as well. But you've definitely gone deep into the question of like high school rank and like should these guys even play risk reward and like how players and their reps and all that have to game that out. And that's a totally fascinating thing. And I don't have the answers, but. Nobody does. And depending nope. on who you talk to, <laughs> I mean, the agents, their their process is going to be totally different than the teams because, right. you know, the, the general managers get fired or can get fired or you've been in the hot seat for the wrong choice. Or if you're an agent and you help a guy, uh, I guess, trick a team, then it's kind of <laughs> like you did a good job as an agent. Right, because you just got this guy, this money that he probably doesn't get if he gets exposed, and so um, <laughs> you know, like I tell people, one of the best stories about Rob Palinka being an agent was not all the stuff he did with Kobe. It was Dante Exum. Dante Exum mm-hmm. had the good hoop <laughs> summit game, then just hit him and just made that the last thing that people remember. And people didn't do that at that time. No, they did it. Right. I mean, but then again, you look at like Enos Cantor. He went third, I believe. Didn't play mm-hmm. a single minute of college basketball. He rode that hype. So I mean, this kind of has been been going on. Um, obviously, Shaden Sharp took it to a, a different level, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised going forward if somebody just. I mean, I guess Rich Paul did it with. Um, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, Baisley, I guess he did it with Baisley. Um, you know, he remember he did like this internship year at New Balance or something yeah, like that. that yeah, and I forgot about that. Yeah, uh, so I, I do think coming up in the near future, somebody is going to do it for a guy that is really highly touted and is a top five pick. And so I, I had agents tell me like teams are drafting off potential anyway. So if the buzz for your guy is high, then just make it. Just let, let the teams take the risk. And yeah, so, um, it's, I mean, it's Shaden gonna be, was pretty close to top five, and he pulled it off. Like you said, I, what did he go like yep. eight, seven? seven? I believe, yeah, yeah. six, yeah, seven. So yeah, I mean, it's it's um, yeah, <laughs> it, it, eventually, I think it's gonna happen. I, I definitely think it's it's gonna happen, and. It's just gonna really suck for the teams if they're gonna have to start <laughs> trying to draft guys based off of high school. And, and one of the examples I gave is Scalabissia. He was the number one player in his yes, high school class. Yes. He still went first round. 
but you get a bigger window if you go top five than if you go mm-hmm. 30. And I have a friend that's an agent, and I, I won't give the name of the players or whatever, <laughs> but he told me this genius strategy he had where he had a client that he thought the buzz for him was high, and he had some concerns about his client's long-term NBA role. Felt like he was kind of one of those guys that he needed the perfect situation for him to pop. But he knew that he had a big NCAA tournament game. The buzz around him was high and so on. So he knew this. He was just being totally, totally transparent and uh, well, not necessarily transparent, but he was just being totally realistic about right. the situation. Because so they got to get knew, guys not just to the NBA, but to wherever they can hoop. Right. So he knew that there was another player that played the same position that was younger and was known for being really immature. So all they did was schedule their clients' workouts with this immature kid. So he was like... If my mature guy who is totally mature, totally polished, but is kind of a tweener and needs a perfect situation to pop is going against this kid who's actually more talented who's and he's younger, but he's so immature, we're like, we're going to have them work out together. I know my guy is going to be there 30 minutes early. Their guy is probably going to show up late. <laughs> Their guy is not going to be able to have the best interviews after it's over. And so anyway, long story short, both players ended up getting drafted in the first round. The The agent's guy that he was protecting or, or trying to put him in the best position, he went maybe four or five slots higher. He ended up being what some people may consider a bust, but the agent secured him. You know, I think, what, three years guaranteed money. And then he got another few opportunities with other teams because he was drafted so high while the the younger player uh, ended up kind of bouncing around, but kind of found his way later on. But at the end of the day, the agent did his job. He was like, I knew my guy needed the perfect situation to pop, but I'm going to secure him the most long term or the most money possible up front just in case he doesn't make it. We got, I don't know, $15, $16 million in his bank account. And that's like a story of, of an agent really doing a great job of knowing his client and putting him in the best position to succeed, which you know, the average person wouldn't see that as a success story because they'd be like, oh, this guy flopped. He was the top whatever pick. So it, it's a very interesting cat and mouse game behind the scenes. I mean, that's the type of thing they should teach in like sports management classes as a case study because <laughs> that's really smart um yeah i mean like i said the exum situation yeah, i mean that yeah. is you know rob palenka would never get credit for that i think exum had all the injuries then he had like a 14 game stretch with utah where he played okay and then he flipped that into 33 million dollars and now he's out of the league but he now he's busy made... taking away minutes from my son Rokas. Damn it! Well, now oh, yeah. now he's not playing. With, I, I think he's. I don't know if he's hurt or what, but he was. Nice no, in, in partisan game. though. Oh, yeah, he's he, in he partisan. Switched. Okay, got yeah, it, got he's it. another team. But yeah, I mean, he he probably got like forty million dollars for his career. Right. Probably more than that. That's crazy. I'd, I'd rather um, be a forty million dollar bust than a <laughs> you know yo, than a late first round pick guy to dig. Right. It's it's easy to say you you know. 
don't run from the grind or whatever, but like you tell you give people truths here. You might get some different answers. Um before we get you out of here, I wanna real quick just go through a couple of guys and for each one, just give me like the one sentence sales pitch so we can do like a speed round to get some folks familiar. And and you already mentioned some of them. Um so let's start with Cam Whitmore, who just debuted for Villanova. So you want me to give just one sentence sales pitch on yeah, this guy? The one, yeah, pretend you're that genius agent guy. <laughs> uh, I mean, he had a great summer, and he's like 6'8", 220, can defend multiple positions. Great motor, uh, great athlete, and uh, a, a, a promising shooter. Boom, there you go. All right, how about Derek Whitehead at Duke? A guy that people really like coming in. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he's really helped himself so far coming off an injury. And it's just really like a tough situation for him because he he, he had an injury during the preseason. Now he's trying to, I guess, play his way into shape, but he just hasn't looked good so far. Um, you know, as the season goes on, he'll, you know, hopefully he, he looks better. But he could be a case, and this is you know one of the names that the agent brought up. But he could be a case where his stock could drop because he mm-hmm. was, you know, <laughs> he 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 uh, was not playing at a hundred percent. Yeah, I was joking that like Matt, I wouldn't mind if Derek dropped to the Knicks pick because uh, he came back a little too early. But you know, time will tell. Hopefully, he he uh, works it out, plays into shape, like you said. Um, how about uh, Osar Thompson? The everybody talks about Amen as a top three pick. How about his bro Osar? Yeah, I don't see the big difference between the two. I think the reason why, I mean, people assume it's a gap is because Amen has the ball in his hands a little bit more. And I, I talked to a NBA front office executive about it, and he asked me. He was like, "What's the real difference?" And I, I said the same thing, and he was like. Does Amon have the ball in his hands more and he's considered the better prospect because of opportunity? He was like, they're both really good passers, <laughs> but he was just saying that he didn't really see that that big of a difference. So um I, I think I mean I think the twins are are phenomenal athletes. Still a little raw. It's still gonna be hard to I guess gauge their competition and how far they are away from really being able to contribute especially considering that they're not the strongest shooters. But as of now, I think their shooting numbers are pretty good. Yeah, that's solid. Um, I know also our shot looking a little cleaner, too. Um, I'm going to screw his name up, so please correct me. Uh, was it Jarase Walker? Is that how you say it? The guy in Jarris Walker. Jarris. Good God, I butchered that. My bad, Jarris. <laughs> yeah, I, I just watched him play yesterday. It wasn't one of his... Better games, but just this crazy, mature Hulk of a body. Like he just. <laughs> so I, I was at the game, and there's another kid on Houston, um, uh, Terrence Arsenal, that is a guy that's drawing considerable considerable draft buzz. But Arsenal looks like a freshman in college. <laughs> Walker, it's like 
this year's Jalen Durant, just another guy with just muscles on top of muscles. I'm like, dude, they didn't have these type of dudes when I was in high school. <laughs> like, like this dude was walking the hallways last year. Right. <laughs> he came this back. Guy was going to calculus. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, but not just an incredible physical presence, but a really good passer and playmaker. Just a unique set of skills. If you look at him, you think he's like this, this physical back to the basket bruiser, but he's a, a good passer and ball handler. So very skilled. All right. How about uh, Nick Smith Jr., who we mentioned before? He's got two games under his belt now and one full game, really. Yeah. One game in five minutes under yeah. his belt because the first game we played five minutes. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that had a lot of hype coming into the season. Uh, some people think that he is the, the top prospect in college basketball kind of a combo guard good score can play um like i said just both guard spots more so of a score than shooter but he can shoot uh, my, my concern for him coming into the season was i just wanted to see how often he attacked the basket he's a guy that relied heavily on jump shots and floaters mm. uh, but uh, it's just gonna be interesting to see as the season goes on who is arkansas's primary ball handler between him and Anthony Black. I mean, those are two guys that people may think are point guards and just seeing how well they play off of each other. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Um, I know I already know I'm going to struggle evaluating both those guys, so I might be tweeting you later in the season for some help. Um, <laughs> all right, two more guys before we get out of here. Uh, Kasson Wallace from Kentucky. Unless Is it Kasson? Kasson, yeah. Kasson Wallace. Yeah, he's uh, someone that has I – mean, I've been watching him since he was in, like, fourth grade. I was filming him Damn. when he was a kid. <laughs> and, and, and really, it's, it's weird. I was, I was filming kids, I don't know, 2013, 14, 15 maybe, one of those years. I was filming kids just to make some money, not realizing that Dallas would have five McDonald's All-Americans from this class. And so just going back and looking at some old film, having a hard drive, I'm seeing, like, <laughs> Keontae George and – uh, I, I was filming Kaysen's team, but you know, like I said, Keontae George, Mark Mitchell from Duke. Yeah, all from Dallas. Uh, Mark Mitchell or, did play damn. some. A, I think maybe his family lived here when he was younger. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, there's five guys from Dallas: Keontae George, Kaysen Wallace, Anthony Black. Uh, hey, how am I missing one? Arterio Morris at. At uh, Texas, ah, I'm, I'm missing one. But yeah, there was, there's five guys from Dallas to McDonald's All Americans. Talent, man, you in the right yeah. place. <laughs> um, and that's not new either. I know they've been uh, getting guys to the league and to other leagues for a while now. All right, yeah. last guy Jordan Walsh was the other guy. I'm sorry. Ouch! Just Jordan Walsh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Um, the last guy is another mystery man who. Is a good place to finish because he kind of is a good example of a lot of the questions we talked about for like, how do you evaluate, you know, last year of high school versus now versus not playing versus injury. And that's Baba Miller. Oh, yeah, that's tough. I mean, Florida State is like one in nine or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, he's going to miss half the season because of a suspension. <laughs> so it's like, all right, do you want to go play for a one in nine team? I mean, like, of course, yes, you, you want to compete and you want to play. But if you're representing him, do you say, like, 
man, it's it's a one in nine team. Like they're going absolutely nowhere. And you know, how how good can you look at at, at that point? So it's gonna be interesting to see what happens. But from my knowledge, I think he's gonna play. And um but what he's kind a, of player is he? Like I know he had a growth spurt. Yeah, he's like this long, athletic, really agile, just you know, like the story that you hear almost every year where you got this guy that was like 6'2", and then all of a sudden he grew to like 6'9", 6'10", but he still, you know what I'm saying, moves like a wing, can can pass the ball a little bit. Um, you know, he's just a, a really good athlete, transition finisher, can handle, can pass, good touch. My, uh, I don't want to say it was my concern, but one of the things that I'm really interested in seeing about him is – like how the athleticism translates. So when he was in Spain, he was always the best athlete on the court. And now he's going to a situation where I mean, he's a really good athlete, but he's going to be one of many good athletes on the court. So I just want to see how he plays when he doesn't have that huge athletic advantage like he had in, in Europe. And then also just seeing how he adjusts to like the different style of play from Europe to the NBA. And as someone that's been in Europe and has really studied like the international game, there are some guys that kind of struggle with it. Um, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. So, you know, like in Europe, it's a very team oriented situation, right? While in the NBA, it's still team, but, you know, there's a lot of individual stuff. And so from like an NBA perspective, if you are a European player and you end up being drafted by a bad team and you're trying to play the right way, I think sometimes when you're trying to play the right way, make the extra pass, your numbers are bad. And if you don't have good numbers on a bad team, (laughs) I mean – you don't, you're not helping yourself, right? <laughs> so it could be quiet for you. <laughs> yeah, and so I think at, at at some point you have to be a little bit selfish or have to, you know, just know how to like go and get yours because you may be on a team where everybody else is going to get theirs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, like I look at Houston for example, that is a bad team, and if you're a guy that's just, you know, in Houston and you're trying to move the ball and play the right way, you swing the ball, you're not getting it back. It's going up. So you can end up averaging like four points a game. So I said, I have to say this. I, I think for, for Baba, he's very unselfish and he comes from a very structured situation in Spain. And with Florida State being a, a bad team and not winning, I think if you're not winning, then you can't put up like Patrick Williams or scotty barnes type numbers you know like right. eight nine points per game so on you're gonna have to put up some type of numbers so that is what i'm really interested to see with him um with florida state like is he gonna come in and be like the the alpha which i don't know if that's necessarily his personality but by them being so bad i don't think he could come in and average seven points and three yeah. rebounds per game and it helps his draft stock man this class is gonna be so weird and crazy to try and scout real time. Thanks for joining us for 40 minutes talking about uh, all these exciting young players. Um, even though this class is tough to analyze, I think 
that's one of the most fascinating and fun things about it this year. There's a lot of talent, yep. and it's just players we've never seen before playing in situations we've never seen before. So if we take off our, like, you know, big board mock draft hats, it's just fascinating. And if you're a hoop addict, it's good stuff. And I, I know people are going to listen to this and be real excited for what's to come, which is why I wanted to get you on here to uh, let them know how the game is changing and, and what we could look forward to. So thanks again, Raphael. Really appreciate you joining us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on and uh, look forward to, to coming on again. Probably as we have a better view of some of these prospects right now, it's still so early. Yeah, maybe we'll have a better view of where the Knicks are picking. Um, you want to, before we get out of here, tell the folks where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me at uh, Barlow, B-A-R-L-O-W-E, 500 on Twitter. And then I have the NBA Big Board newsletter, um, which um trying to have come out with some content two to three times per week. And then I have the NBA Big War podcast on the Locked On Network. You heard him. Check it out. It's all good stuff. Um, great follow on Twitter as well. Um, and that's it. That's the pod. Hang with us next time as we get deeper into this class. And uh, yeah, hope everybody has a good holidays and we will catch you later. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.